You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Making Waves Welcome, everyone, to Making Waves. This is our first episode of the year 2021, so welcome. We do appreciate your time tonight. Uh, my name is Justin. And I'm Chad. And tonight we have a very special guest, and we thank him for being our first guy out of the box this year. Uh, well, please welcome Josh from the band Bad Flower. Hi, hello. I'm your first one. That's so cool. <laughs> You couldn't anybody yeah. better? Listen. No, actually, you know what, man? We, we had a little bit of a poll, and we were kind of kicking around. We thought, man, you're you're perfect, actually. You guys were such a huge hit on the last ship rock that it just made sense. So plus we 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 know how uh how badly you wanted to be on the podcast because we got the text messages. So well, here love, we are. I love you all so much. You're like my favorite thing. This is great. Just again, congratulations on the success of the first album and obviously the song Ghost, which really took off for you guys. And um, I'd really like the story behind this song 30. You like to hear the story behind it? Yeah. What's this? What's it? What, I've kind of read a few things about it. What, what's your take on the song? What was the inspiration behind the song 30 you guys released here in 2020? Well, I, I mean, there's a couple things. I mean, one, I turned 30 the day that it released, and uh, I started writing that song knowing that that day was coming. And um, I hate aging okay. so much. Like, I hate the idea of getting older. And, um, and then on top of that, it's being 30 and being a musician right now in this, this time in history. It's a really strange time, and um, life is all it's all existing on the internet and the kids are taking over and people in my, like the millennial era, we're sort of in this like weird in between days where we kind of fit in with them and we kind of fit in with them and um, we don't know anything and nobody knows anything and everyone hates each other. And it's easy. And so that's how I'm feeling right now. At years old in 2020. Do you think with becoming 30 now, you're kind of in this new league of, of basically you gaining the wisdom you're going to gain, obviously, as you go through your thirties, um, there's always usually a high point for people when they get out of their twenties, they're kind of like experimenting around, but you'd hit 30. Now you're like the full fledged adult. Uh, was, was there a worry behind the idea of being a musician and being 30? Or are you just personally like 30 is kind of a tough number? I mean, even just you saying, that, I'm like, why am I still doing the rock star thing at 30? But, um, I, luckily I don't look it. I'm <laughs> a lot younger than me and I don't feel I don't feel any really still, and that's and that's the theme of this song is like, how come I'm still, I, how come I still act like a child and feel like a child? Am I supposed to? Is there something wrong with me, or is this normal at thirty? Because nothing has changed. I still, I still feel and act like I'm twenty-five. Like I guess I'm a little bit more calmed down than when I was like 23, 24, but pretty much the same guy. Yeah, I, I like definitely like Chad's idea on an aging as a musician on this what's my what's, idea yeah what is your idea on, on aging as you yeah as a musician yeah i don't know about jo josh um what I, what I can say to you about 30 is that the next five years are going to eat ass like every day <laughs> the most disgusting ass that you have ever ate and i apologize yeah, uh in advance for it uh i love i love what you did with 30 and i think that not, not only is the song incredible but this version of coming to grips with what it is um I, 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 as a 37 year old man, I was like, fuck, yeah. yes, thank you for saying it, you know? Um, to champion that for you a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more, how do you feel the rest of your band 
uh, relates to that um, to that song with you? We're all we're, we're all around the same age. My drummer is thirty two, I think, and um, bass player is about to turn thirty. He's twenty nine, okay. and um, and he just got married, by the way, like two days ago. So congrats to him. He literally just Woo! went off to Vegas. And didn't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, which is like even just that. I'm like, you got married. My drummer was already married. Like, why are people getting married and having kids and shit? It's weird. Stop it. Yeah, um, seriously. But at the same time, like, it really struck, it struck a nerve when you said, like, being 36 and still in the band trailer. Like, that hurt. I'm sorry that you went through that. That hurt me to hear. Um, and something that we've always said was as soon as we got to the bus, which wasn't that long ago, but as soon as we got out of the van trailer and we were able to afford the bus, the bus, we we're like, look, if we ever have to do another tour where we can't afford the bus, our band's done. We quit. Quit. exactly like, there's no way we're not doing it again like once we reach this point it's like you can't you can't go back from here um and luckily like 30 was successful and everything that we've done since getting into the bus has been good and we're you know we're still okay so that's that's better i yeah i couldn't i don't it's 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 only fun doing the van and trailer thing when you're like a kid and you're like oh we're touring this is so cool and then once it's your job and you're like i cannot afford to tour any other way but i have to play shows to make money which means I have to pile into a, a van with like six other people. And this is what we have to do. It's tough. It, absolutely, man. And I, I just watching you guys from the come up, because I, I, I am a big fan. My band in general, Wilson, we were really, 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 really into you right off the, uh, the bat. I mean, your first EP was on constant ro rotation uh, back, I think, in like 2018, uh, when, right when it came out. Uh, we had heard the first song, I believe it was called Soap or Animal, and we were, yeah. um, we, were we were constantly playing it. And then the, the EP came out, and I kept thinking about what what was next for your band at that period of time. And, I, you know, I've been doing this for a long time. The, my band, Wilson, has uh, at that point in time had been around for 10 years. We toured with all the bands that you've toured with and, you know, went to, to all the places that at that time before this Bad Flower ended up going to. And I was like, man, this band's going to fucking break. Like, they, they, there's something so honest and so pure about what's going on here that it can't not. And I'm so happy to hear that, like, the world served you the way that you deserve to be uh, served, not just as a, as a songwriter, but to, to, as the beacon for other bands coming up in the rock space. Like, when you see that momentum, it's really encouraging. So I, I wanted to at uh, least say that to get it out of the way. <laughs> but yeah, man, yeah, great know, shit like, all around. It is, uh, it, it's, it, it's all about that vulnerability and honesty. I've, at least it, I found that for us. I, I think it's just too difficult to break as a newer band if you're trying to sound like your heroes, or you're trying to sound like other people. Like you really have to have your own thing that nobody else can do better. Um, at least try to find that. And it's it's a constant search for that. Like we're still searching for it. And we've done little things here and there that I'm like, wow, this is very unique to us. And I might hear other bands maybe try to emulate that. But um, I appreciate you saying that and I appreciate you championing us in that way. For the for the right reasons, oh, I well, feel. My, my pleasure, yeah, man. It was really nice a, it was a reason to be motivated to stay for another year in that van and trailer, being like, well, maybe we'll play with them. <laughs> did we do ship rock together? We did, right? We we uh, had we had. Yeah, we did. Yep, we did. That's right. Mm -hmm. And apparently a festival with Shinedown, I, I'm hearing. We did all of the rock festivals with you guys. I mean, one of the things that I, we noticed right off the bat is, um, and this kind of goes into the next, I don't want to take too much away from where Justin might be going here, but one of the things we noticed right off the bat when your EP came out is, okay, we don't, we didn't know John Barbados had a label, right? And uh, yeah. So paying attention to what what happens next with your band when you're in when you're like me and you're super into like the growth of the you know of the early zygote that is music and watching you know we're we were best friends with nothing more shine down all those guys so watching them come up come on board uh in 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 praise and bring that up it was like okay so then what's next and then watching your singles move to where they did in the charts you know, and rock radio for all for all it's not worth in 2020. There's still a story there, and for our world, we pay attention 
to it, you know, not to, not just the DSPs, but like where are they going to go in these festival spaces? And largely, you know, those spots are kind of like reserved for who is charting, uh, you know, across the radio right. spectrum. And so anyways, we yeah, we did play with you and I, I watched you very, very vehemently uh, because my my. Uh, agent Bex Majors was your, I, I believe, your agent in for the uh, for Europe. Maybe I'm wrong, I, or maybe just your I, friends. I think it's the same company, but she, yeah, we always, Bex was always sort of coming around. She's a, she's become a friend. And, she's um, the one who yeah. introduced us to your band. We went and watched you guys like uh, at like one of the Danny Wimmer festivals, and I was like, so they can Got fucking it. do it live too, man. Yeah, man. I mean, uh, so cool to hear about what you got going on now. Um, I don't know if Justin wants to chime in here because I don't want to bogart this, but even moving into where you're specifically at, why we're able to like talk to you right now is, uh, is kind of like a goal of a lot of people. So I'm, I'm jealous. To, I'm jealous in, in, in a sense. Yeah. Justin, do you have anything to add to that? I, I don't want to kick this around too much, but I want to go back to 30, but I also want to, back to go back to Ghost because you're telling a lot of stories that are deeply moving to your fan base. I mean, one of them is about getting older and uh, fans like the, the idea that they can find some solace in what you're saying, that you're kind of in the same boat as them because what happens with our with our bands and, and, and the people we really enjoy, we tend to forget that they age as well. They're going through the human experience as well. We always just think, oh, they're just a, they're a rock star or they're a guitar player. They're not going through the same things as me. So you got that. And then you got Ghost, which is really about the dark elements of, of sometimes people's lives with depression. Yeah. Um, do, are, do you feel, do you get a lot of response back from your fans via social media or maybe personal notes regarding how you're kind of helping bring them out of that darkness and into the light Yeah, um, through some of your music? A, a lot. Yeah. And, um, and, and we love that because it's, if if we're helping somebody in any sort of way, that's like the most rewarding feeling. But then it also it also just kind of validates our creative process and and the way that we like to do things. Like we're rewarded for being as real as possible, and it helps people. And it's just this like big full circle thing where it's just all positivity. You get you, the, the more negative uh, you go into your own mind and and in a way that might relate with other people, the more positive the outcome of that is. And that's an interesting quality about art that doesn't really exist anywhere else in physics. <laughs> I don't think it's cool. No, it's a very endearing. And uh, obviously fans hold you close in that way. Um, on the other side of this is I want to go back to your deal with, with big label and John Varvatos. You, you obviously you guys come from a very uh, cerebral place where we just spoke about how you do affect your fans and some of their psyche. But then you're with Ravatos, who's known as a big fashion icon for rock and roll. And, and you guys just happen to be one of three or four artists that he's got. I mean, that's got to be kind of interesting to realize that now, not only do you have Big Machine and 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 the people behind that to help move your prop, but you're also now uh, attached to someone who takes you into another element, which is the fashion scene. Yeah. So you guys are able to straddle kind of, kind of the glitz and glamour of rock with him. And, and being attached to that, but you're also, you again, you can kick back to being this band of the fans. It's sort of like, it's, it's an interesting thing because we're, we're so not a fashion or like visually driven band. Like a lot, a lot of bands are, they put a lot of effort into their outfits and their photo shoots and the way they look. And the, you know, we put effort into like the music videos because it's a storytelling element, but um, we don't put effort there. And John knows that. And he knows that we've always been that way. And he's never really pushed his the fashion side of what he does onto us and that's what makes like it really I, I forget that he's a fashion designer because when i'm talking to john he's just he's just one of one of the heads of the label that's just the, that's the way that we speak and when you know sometimes clothing comes into it like he asked us to be part of his campaign um i don't remember what i guess last year two years ago something um mm -hmm. and that was crazy because it's like now we got to be models and in, in new york city we were like plastered all over these like 20 foot billboards mm -hmm. and shit like that and it, it, it was cool, but it was such like, he, John doesn't push that stuff on us. And it's such a small part of what our relationship is. But every now and again, it does pop up and there are perks to it. So that's, that's it's funny because I talked to his, you're one of your label, but it's Aaron Jones about a month ago. And he said the same thing. He says, yeah, John's known for that, but he doesn't really push it. He'll have me wear a jacket or do a, a photo shoot, but it's not his game. Yeah, he doesn't even have you do it. He'll just ask if you want it. He'll be like, "Hey, you guys want to, you know, come come to the store and pick out some stuff for your photo shoot?" And 
we might pick some stuff out and we might not and it doesn't matter like he doesn't he, it, it's not like he wouldn't get personally offended if we were like i just want to wear something different sure sure no it's it's really good to know though that someone who is from another creative background has basically taken his love and, and made it into a vehicle where, where bands like yourself can can you know kind of springboard off of that yeah totally and so and it's, it was like, yeah, it's a refreshing take. He was born for many things outside of fashion. And this is obviously one of them. Yeah. He's just, he's one of those. Absolutely. Like, he's got so much drive and so much passion. He's so smart. It's, it's really, it's, it's an honor to have him on the team. Yeah. With that being yeah. said, man, um, I, there's a lot of, like, I, I, I looked into your story outside of what I've heard from my friends in Los Angeles. I, I too, um, well, I know you're not in Los Angeles now, but I was living in Los Angeles between Detroit and, in there currently in Detroit and you've had like a lot of these um, uh, residencies that uh, I think are like some of the coolest things in our like little clique of, of rock that they only really exist in like New York or Los Angeles. I just want to stretch back a little further here. And I know that the band didn't really start as bad flower and that it, bad flower is like an, a, a reimagined version of the first go at it. But can you kind of like, for sake of uh, bringing us all up to speed, can you kind of like tell us about like why it turned into Bad Flower and, and where you really start to find your, you find your legs uh, in the LA scene, you know? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of stories there. It's, it's, I've, I've always been making music. I've always just been a very creative person and music came naturally and I loved it. And, uh, and I started like I'm a piano player initially. And then I, started you know getting into drugs in high school and i got into rock music and i got into all kinds of stuff and um and i was like one of the first kids who was recording on his computer in his bedroom like before it was cool and everybody had a soundcloud account like i was doing that just making you know whatever just making music all the time printing cds bringing them to school and showing my friends like that's what i used to do and then the band thing started and it like we didn't take it that serious like we did take it seriously but we didn't really have a direction we sort of sounded like the beatles kind of like we were, that's what we thought was cool and we wanted to do it wasn't very heavy and it was kind of all over the place and unfocused we i don't think we knew who we were as people and this was joey and i in the early stages so my guitarist joey we've been together for a while yeah but the other two members we didn't get to later and um and then honestly i i i got into a relationship with somebody who was successful in music who had also dated this is a very strange thing but it's true who had also dated other like rock stars like much bigger rock stars and I, there was a bit of jealousy and like, I don't know what it was, but I realized that there were, I could get heavier and I could do it well. And then I became a fan, like it wasn't just like jealousy. I became a fan of a certain style of music and I realized there was a lot of angst to get out and I didn't have to try to be Paul McCartney reincarnate. Like that wasn't gonna work for me. It wasn't my thing. Um, and so I, I, I went, I wrote that song Animal that you were talking about. That was like the first real heavy sort of obviously very bluesy song and from there it felt like that worked i finally felt like there was some sort of staple of my identity that i was pulling out mm. um at least sonically not really lyrically but sonically yeah and then i met the other members we eventually formed this and it became so different we changed the band name and we just like as soon as it became bad flower we, we really figured it out you know like we, we hit the ground yeah. running and, and we figured out who we were a lot more than we had previously yeah, and then, I mean, I, I would I would assume that once you once your confidence is there, when you step up on the stage or whatever room it is in Los Angeles, that kind of like it wreaks havoc in the room. People people are paying attention, oh, and for sure. you know, and, like coming into like, and it's hard to do in Los Angeles too. And I think that's that's a testament to our the way that we perform now in LA. Nobody cares. It's really hard to right. to to, uh, to stand out there. And but that was that's where we cut our teeth. That's where we got our start. We did do residencies. Like we did, we had a residency at the Key Club before you know that's closed down now but the key club used to be an awesome club and we were the lot one metal of the school to play it yeah metal yeah. school that's right metal school was like Tuesdays, and we had the residency on mondays or something like that and not very many people showed up it wasn't huge <laughs> the very first bad, bad flower show was there we started the residency as, as the first band name and we finished it as the other uh, oh nice and then yeah then just like we played all we played mexican restaurants in la like we played all over the place we played anywhere that would have us um never again oh my god when i think back at that like how cringy and awesome <laughs> those shows were. i would never could never do that again but like, <laughs> and i also i had such bad panic disorder that sort of came in and out 
throughout my life. That was like another big part of why I started performing was to try to break this panic disorder that I had. It was just so debilitating for such a long time that I just like hmm. literally went headfirst into the thing that scared me the most, which was being in front of people and like social situations hmm. like that. Yeah. Um, and, and here we are. And I still, you know, I still have that fear and I still have trouble performing, but I think that's now I sort of embrace that as part of who I am and part of what makes me unique as a performer is the fact that I'm, even when I look my most confident, I'm not, I'm fucking terrified. And, uh, and I, love I don't it. think that ever really leaves you, but you know, like not, not to bum you out, but I mean, cause you, you, no, no. you you've, you've uh, transcended. Like yeah, you do. Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Cause now if I didn't have that, I think I would start to get lazy in my approach as an artist. It keeps me it, 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 like, I could get paid $3 million per show and I would still have that feeling, which means I would still want to put the same amount of effort in and I would still be so afraid to fail that it would make me my best. Like, I don't think I can ever get comfortable and then just start creating mediocre art or just, you know what I mean? So I like it. Right, I like it right. for reason. It, it's like, it keeps the fire lit under my ass. Don't pull a Marilyn Manson, you know? Yeah, Josh, I, I for yeah. one, love the idea of a residency the way you guys did it, because we always think about residences like that and bands cutting their teeth. We always think about the Star Club and the Beatles in Hamburg in 64. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they, they wouldn't have become the band they were without those. I'm not saying you need to do eight 45 minute sets a night on metamphetamines, but I mean, it does help to kind of play to those small crowds. So you're just working on your, your art and not worrying about what's in front of you. Yeah. Uh, you know what? In addition to that too, we used to play high schools like way back in the day. We used to go, perfect. we used to go to high schools. This is the worst thing that you can do as a band. We used to go to high schools, bring our own PA system, set up our thing, play a 15 minute show during lunchtime out wherever all the kids are hanging out. And then try to, try to throw CDs on the campus. It was the worst. People would yep. kick kickballs at us and shit. It was terrible. But it made that's so awesome it, to hear. By the way, well, dude, you know, yeah. Rush did that. Rush did that as kids. So you're in good company, my friend. Yeah. Again, it's another one of those things that, like, it's fun to talk about as as a as a staple in the history of this band. But I would like never, ever, ever again. <laughs> I wouldn't wish that upon my worst enemy. Like having to play in worst. <laughs> High school kids are the meanest people ever. They're so mean. <laughs> well, I can imagine now that they're just absolutely just tyrants. Oh, I can't even imagine. <laughs> now. This was back in like 2015, probably 14, maybe even earlier. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably, they probably wouldn't now. even show up. No, they would no. all, they would all you know, purposely <laughs> leave and they'd all be on their phones tweeting about how much they hate the music. If they're, I don't know. Well, they probably just I, set I up have, their phones and then like leave and then come back and retrieve their phones after your show is over and go, got the show. No way. Uh, They'd never be without their phones. True. No way. Sorry. <laughs> I misspoke. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> the, I can literally picture you, Josh, like, cause I've done it. I've done it, man. I, I'm from a small town in Detroit, in Michigan. And, um, we rented out VFW halls. You know, I was the guy who threw all the shows, right? I, I rented the the speakers. I, I, you know, I made the fucking, the, the, the flyers. I booked the bands. We charged three bucks, right? And I also did the thing where I'd show up at like community colleges or uh, high schools. And just like you're saying, you, you bring your gear in. And, and when you're carrying your gear in at that moment, you think that you're hot fucking shit. Like there's a part of you is like, yeah, shit's going to go down, motherfuckers. You don't even know. We're about to rock your fucking faces off. But carrying your gear out of those situations is like <laughs> the 100% opposite. And it's like shit went down and you took a turd all on my face and I'm going to wear it now as I walk through the courtyard carrying my shitty amp that barely fucking works anymore, right? You know what, though? I, I think I don't even think I had that first part of you had. I think even carrying, I think even carrying my gear in, I was like, I'm sorry for what's about to happen. I'm so sorry. It's just gonna be loud and obnoxious, and it's gonna be sublime covers, and I'm so sorry. <laughs> and then, and then, it is not, not the sublime covers that you don't know. You know, it's like the B sides, yeah, right? Because you're no, like, no, no fucking way. About the one we knew it was like bad fish. Like everybody knows it. We're sick of doing it. Um, oh, I love that. But then we got to eat school lunches, which was pretty cool. Like, <laughs> as a but, adult, are you talking about like like French bread pizzas, like uh, nachos and cheese? What, yeah, whatever they like the worst. It's so unhealthy. I would. I'm vegan now, so I would never eat any of that stuff. But they used to, yeah, the schools used to feed us their lunch. 
God. <laughs> well, at least they didn't kick your ass and take your lunch. That's pretty good. I guess. That's a Michigan thing, I think. You know, it's crazy, though. They're yeah. still, like, we'll still do shows now. And every now and again in the crowd, like, someone will show up at a meet and greet. Like, you played my high school in Phoenix, Arizona eight years ago. And I'm, I've just been a fan ever since. So, like, it's crazy, but it still carries over. It's wild. Yeah. That's vindication right there, man. So cool. Yeah. So cool. I got a question for you. If Justin, if Justin uh, doesn't have anything to to, to add to the uh, school lunch conversation we're having here, no, I mean I have I have I have a uh, an out an outlier due to that one, but please by all means. Oh please. no, then you you ask Justin because I'm going to move on to Nashville, uh, so I'm going to want to make sure that I don't. Uh, well, I don't actually, go yes, too fast we can. This will tie into Nashville, I believe. I think. Cool. Yes, yes, it will. <laughs> So Josh, Josh, you're in, you're you're outside of Nashville, but close enough for everybody who's listening. Um, what's the town that you're in, or around, or what's the what's the larger space? Is it Franklin? You said no, we're we're south of Franklin. I'm I'm, oh, keeping, I'm keeping the town on the DL for now because there's because it sounds good. really really small and um and uh, it's just and you. we don't have we don't have a, we don't have a gate. <laughs> Pretty much gotcha. Like, we're just out in the middle, so I, I, as of now, I'm not saying what the town is. Well, for all intents and purposes, you're in Nashville now. Yeah. And why? So can you? Because like the one thing I, I wanted to, to ask you about, you're from the the Los Angeles area, right? Uh, or I forget, is it right outside of Los Angeles? Where were you? Yeah, I'm like from the Valley, San Fernando Valley. Okay, cool. So like obviously, even even when bef- years ago. Be- years ago when you started the band nashville and los angeles are way different today they're a little bit closer in the fact that like there's the music community and whatnot but i would un i I would probably have to guess here i mean because la can be such a wickedly awful place at times you know and for for many people who are living there and you know the ruse that is the chore uh, of um you know being in Los Angeles and playing the kind of sort of game that it is, what kind of motivated your move to Nashville? And like, is there any sort of like version of yourself that feels more comfortable there at this point? I know it's a newer um, revelation of yours. So yeah, I don't well, expect you to be like, bam. No, no. I've always, I, I've always wanted a lot of land. Like it's been a dream of mine to have just acreage that I can do whatever I want with. So I, I'm, I do a lot more than just write music. I'm, I'm just creative in a lot of ways. I like to build stuff. I, you know, I, I just like, I like to tinker and I need space to be able to tinker in the ways that I want to tinker. For example, now like I'm covered in drywall dust cause I'm building a studio in a barn. Um, and I also want like, I want an animal rescue eventually. And there's all kinds of stuff that I just want to do. And I can't have these things, not even just in Los Angeles, but in California. Before I moved here, I wasn't even living in L.A. I was hours north of L.A. in the desert. So it's interesting. Like, I didn't move to Nashville for the music scene like a lot of people do. I moved close enough to Nashville because our label is there and there is a music scene there when I want to go in. But really, like, I'm out and I'm like, I'm living on my own country right now. That's how it feels. Like, I'm just very, very secluded. And I have my core group. of people. Like, I did this with a couple friends who are also um, members of the team of Team Badflower. And yeah, so I just, I wanted, I wanted this to be like the hub. Joey, our guitarist lives in Nashville as well. And now our bass player and drummer live in Pittsburgh, which isn't terribly far. You know, it's like, it's a really quick, cheap flight. And so everybody, we used to be based in LA and everybody got out. And so this just made sense. And I was like, cool, if everybody's getting out and I want to get out and I don't want to live in LA or anywhere near it. And I can't afford to live anywhere there either. Cause especially with COVID hitting, um, I'm just going to go buy a farm in Tennessee. Mm. And fuck you, the world. I'm gonna go buy a farm, yeah. and that's that. And that's what we did. And uh, been yeah. crazy. Like it's a lot of work, and the Wi-Fi sucks. But it's so like I'm so happy here. I'm so much happier here with this space and land to just like be free to do whatever I want. Look, I can make as much noise as I want at 3 a.m. and nobody can hear it. Like that's what I wanted. I can just like yeah. be free. Yeah, and the Wi-Fi sucks, and that's like probably got to be pretty fucking kick-ass too. Because now, it, like, you don't have awesome. to be on. I, my phone, I used to feel naked when I didn't have my phone in my pocket. And since living here, I never have my phone in my pocket. I'm never on it. I don't care. And my, obviously, my, my manager lives here with us. So, like, if something is pressing, bad thought related, she'll just come find me and be like, hey, you need to take a call or do something. <laughs> right. I guess if I didn't have, yeah. I have to have my phone on me. But as of now, I just don't. I'm just, I just live my life. Do you hey, have, like, uh, a Josh Bell? 
<laughs> she rings it when you're out in the out in the farm. Like you gotta come in, sweetie, and take a phone call. There is what, the, what's going. There is a dinner bell that we have never. Oh used, yeah, but I'm staring at it right now. It's like when dinner's ready, there's a loud bell. I love that. Hey, uh, Josh, let me ask you then. With you, you guys kind of like transplanting and moving into these kind of new environments, especially yourself. Um, how does that affect the way you, you go about your writing or will it affect kind of the tone of the new record or how, how is this, or, or is this just basically another evolution for the band? Um, you know, when you're I, young and in the city, you're, you're, the, the music has a certain sound, a certain energy to it, right? Yes and no. I don't know. Some, so much of our songs are just about whatever's literally on my mind at the moment or festering deep inside, I guess. And so I don't think my environment, unless it's like my friendships and relationships and things like that, which that doesn't change being here. Like that's, it's all the same. I think the thing that changes is because I have this space and freedom here to be as loud and obnoxious as I want, it'll make me just more creative. Like I'm used to living in a house with other people. And I'm, if I want to like get loud at 3 a.m. cause I'm feeling creative and want to record something, I feel weird doing it cause there's people sleeping around and somebody's gonna hear me. And that's one of the things I like, I, I didn't want in my life and now I never have to have that ever again. So um, I, I think I'll just probably be writing songs more frequently and, and more easily. And now it's mm -hmm. easier to get out the, the entire band in one place, like getting everybody to LA was tricky. And so we had been working in Nashville anyway, but we're renting a studio out somewhere in Nashville and paying for it and everybody's in Airbnbs. And so now it's just like, we're setting this place up to be the hub where everybody just comes and hangs out and uh, writes music and records and everything. That's incredible. Well, it sounds like, like yes. Yeah, Sorry, I was just asking, is that like a, do you have like a compound thing going on? Is it like a, like you said that some people are living there. Is that, when you say J Joey's there, is he like literally there at, no. on the farm or is he just close? No, Joey's in Nashville. He's like, he's like in East Nashville doing the Nashville thing. Oh, um, but, gotcha. But my manager, tour manager, and I don't know how to describe these people I work with, but they, they're team bad player people. Two of them uh, bought this farm with me. So three of us live here. One of them is gone right now. And um, and it's it's kind of like it's going to become sort of a communal thing. Like we have a little lake on the property and I want to build a little dock and tiny homes on the lake where everybody can come stay. And it's all cute. And like I want to do all that stuff. Yeah. So right now it's just like the, it's like the bones of something that's going to become something magical, hopefully, as long as uh, our band still does well and we can afford to do stuff. Yeah, that's incredible. That's like my dream. Mm -hmm. I'm so jealous. That's awesome. <laughs> and this animal rescue is this already? Is this coming about like right now? Yeah. Or is this something that like is on the in the background? Yeah, it's at? it's it's not. There's a lot to do before we're able to do that. So the the property currently is it's like designed for horses, and there's some horses that like we have boarders who keep their horses here. It's a, it's a long story about this place, but we have horses here currently and the horses are amazing. I didn't expect to love them as much as I now love them. Like they're just so cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I really, I, my dream is to save cows. Like I, I, I don't, I don't eat meat or cheese or anything like that. And I'm a big supporter. I'm just a big stan of cows. I love cows. And so I, I stan of cows. So I want to rescue <laughs> them and I want, I want to get as many cows as I possibly can for them to live out the rest of their lives happily and comfortably on the farm. And like, you know, I, I, honestly, I'm, I'm ridiculous with this. Like I imagine a cow just like coming in and like eating food off the kitchen table, like in the house with the dogs. Like I just want this insane life. Like I'm trying to make a record and the cow is scratching at the door trying to get in. Like, that's what I want. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause we had, we had Lejean on not too long ago and him and his wife, they have a, pretty sizable place out there in uh is it is it missouri chad uh yeah they're in outside of kansas city okay they have a they have a farm and then uh josh are you familiar with rob finn no rob's a photographer for rob zombie and uh ozzy and a couple other large acts um he himself just he's all he's a vegan as well and uh, he just puts out these he just put out a plant-based cookbook but he like you he bought like a five acre ranch and it's an animal sanctuary now so i just i i love seeing this move by a lot of artists i mean look nikki six moved out of la and moved to wyoming so yeah. it's kind of like i love this idea of people moving out and, and getting their own space to open up their minds and get away from the noise because their life and career is basically you know noise well you know? all of that all of that noise already exists on your phone 
Like it's that's where it exists yeah. now. Like you, you don't need to be in LA. You just need an Instagram account. Now you're in LA. Exactly. Same thing. Yeah. So what's the point of? There's really no point of being in a certain city anymore. I mean, there used to be. Yeah. There just isn't now, especially with COVID. This is this is happening before COVID, but now that COVID hit. It's like it's becoming yeah. very clear to a lot of people. Oh, we can still survive. I mean, some people can't survive. Like the music industry, for one, is really not doing so well. But that's because of touring. All the rest of it can be done anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's funny that you bring that up because I just had this. I had this conversation um, pretty often with a few different people, friends of mine, who are in Los Angeles. Like I have no no wishes to be permanently in Los Angeles. That's just like where I ended up uh here between between places right but i i can see it I, I saw it as soon as we started to shut down i've been a talent buyer for a production company producing live concerts across the state of michigan for 15 years as well as being in a touring band for 12 well, 11 of those uh 15 years and so i i enter rooms often right you know like on tour and i know everything there is to know know about the front of the house the back of the house and you know how the bands get there everything you know i'm the guy who made the shows happen and i see this happening in many of other spaces uh for not just in the music industry but um, careers where you can work mobily and you don't necessarily need to be anywhere. Like being a talent buyer, I never had to be at a desk. I just had to be at my phone or at a, at, a, exactly. at my computer, right? And you're you're what we're facing here is something that I don't think a lot of people are like registered in their mind to really understand. You know, like when this shit's over, hopefully when this over, like nobody needs to be in these spaces at, at an office, brick and mortar is going away. You know, like and, and if I'm a boss and I have to pay this lease or I own this crazy building that's costing me so much fucking money, I'm not taking that back on. As soon as I can get out of it, it's it's over. Go work, go live where you live. And, and you know, companies like Apple, they're seeing, you know, double their, their, their value in their, in their employees by extending what is um, the freedom to work where you are. And I just think that there's something special about that, turning this back around to Nashville and where you're doing, there's something special about it because you're probably going to be more productive, not just even, even in a songwriting way, but in, in a creative way. Like you said, you're not, you're building things with your hands. You couldn't fucking do that in Los Angeles if you wanted to. No. I tried to make a fucking table once uh, for my apartment there. And do you know, it cost me like $2,000 to find a space to even fucking bring the wood in, you know? Right. And that's crazy to me. And where you are here is just another, it's another, it's another sign that says, you don't have to eat shit every day, right? You can be you. I mean, I have to spread you. shit every day across the Yeah, yeah, well, you know, but it's up to you if you want to eat it. It looks delicious. It. I'd probably snack on it. No, and there's no mushrooms there. <laughs> ah, it's a fable, isn't it? I, that's when we eat cows. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just wanted to mention that because I mean, I, not only do you, do I think that moving out and getting land, like Justin said, and spreading your your wings and figuring out what else you can do with your, you know, uh, as of now, your idle hands, uh, it's really got to bring some sort of relief to to the mental strife that you were, so like you said, going uh, through. Well, it's like now there's physical strife. Now it's like I gotta keep the furnace going to stay warm, and I have to. You know, there's like, I'm doing physical labor stuff and there's really something to be said about how rewarding that is mentally and how, like, how stable I feel when I'm not just living in, like, Instagram la-la land, which is primarily my job. Like, my job is, mm. other than playing shows, it's like managing social media and being this character all the time. And, you know, I, I like that I get to do that. Like, it's fun to do, but it's not like that. I don't identify with that guy all the time really just like i like being chilled out and doing labor or doing working with my hands like it, it's it's i i don't like i i love my job to death i am in a position that people would kill to be in but there really is to anybody listening out there who has a job that they think they hate because it's you know they want something different with their lives like there's a lot of joy in this in like the in the simpler way to live than um than the than the celebrity attempt you know and i call it an attempt because being in a being a rock band like you can never really get that big <laughs> it's like, it's like <laughs> um yeah, I, yeah. I, so I, I like i think i this was a really good move for me for sure just for, for all those reasons like i'm mentally so much more stable
Are you familiar with Sturgill Simpson? No. Okay. Well, if if you're not after this, you should check it out. His music's incredible, but uh, he's like the beacon of what I what you're what you're going through. Um, you know, he's an expansive. He's got an extensive library of music from you know the idea of uh, classic country to um, alternative space rock. You know. And he also has adapted to this version of um, what we're talking about here. And I just, I was going to ask you about him because simply there might be some sort of like, um, <laughs> some sort of influence to, to take away from it. You know, not only not in what you're doing, but to solidify what you are doing for yourself. Because he's, he's got a great life now, you know. Sure, yeah. I'll, I'll look him up. Sturgill Simpson, yeah, yeah. Sturgill Simpson, that's quite a name. Breaking away from that, Justin, do you want to ask him about his early idols? Yeah, I do. I mean, I know it's question, you know, 101, usually when you're speaking to someone who's a musician. But Josh, who, at what point, A, did you decide you want to be a musician? And B, who is the artist or artist that kind of made you go, yeah, yeah, that's my, that's what I'm going to do. That's my direction. I mean, I mean, was there someone when you were 10 years old and you went, you saw it on TV or heard it on the radio and went, yeah, yeah, I think that's it. Um, Blink-182 was that, that, that was like the biggest inspiration for, uh, the, like playing the guitar, really. It was like that, that band. And I was a huge fan of that band. Again, I, I was a piano player first. So I used to play like classical music and I would write songs on the piano and I, I, like, I didn't really care for anything else. And then, um, when I saw that band and I would like on, on LimeWire, I would download live videos of, of them, like playing live on stage. Cause I, my parents wouldn't let me go to the concerts when I was really young. Um, and I would see them just like making fart jokes and being completely juvenile on stage with each other. And then making this beautiful music playing terribly live. They weren't very good live, but there was something so appealing about it. I was like, that's the life I want. Like just being a child in front of a bunch of people and being loved for it. I thought that was so cool. So that was a huge influence. Obviously, yeah. we don't sound like that at all, um, mm -hmm. but it was just it was just the lifestyle. Like that was that's what got me. Yeah, of a certain age, it's either Blink or Green Green Day does a good job of of motivating people at that of a certain Green age to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All those bands, that whole era, like. I remember I had I had Avril Lavigne's first record, and I used to play guitar to Skater Boy, and I put the CD on my guitar amp, <laughs> and the CD would skip because I would turn the amp up. So I, like th this is like my early memories of like ha playing the guitar for the first time. It was like jamming to Skater Boy. Were you a self-taught guitar player? Or did you take lessons? No, I never took lessons. Really? Okay. Well, good for you. It's, it's, I don't know. The self-taught thing always is confusing me. I'm like, how does someone who have no knowledge of an instrument be able to listen, pick it up, and then just start playing along? I think it's an incredible skill. Well, I think it's as simple as that. It's it. Music is a language to me that this is so pretentious and LA sounding. I thought I got away from this, but music is like a language that I just understand inherently. Um, <laughs> It, no, but it, re it really is like I just get it. I, yeah. I just always have understood it, and I've been a bit like I, I, I can analyze music without having any theory or knowledge of it better than I can analyze most other things, especially better mm -hmm. than I can analyze like actual words and 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 people. I think I don't know. I, I just I, I get I just get it. Like I get I hear a certain chord change happen. And I'm like, ooh, this this evoked this emotion in me. Got it store that in the bank and then you just like when you get on an instrument for the first time you literally just play around with it until you can find those patterns and those shapes that make the sounds you want and boom and it just happens really quick it always happened for me like i don't think there's an instrument that i can't play unless it requires a technique that you have to learn that's really complicated like playing a violin or a stringed instrument like that with a bow if you don't have that technique down and the pressure you have to put on the bow it's kind of tricky but with a guitar you just press your fingers in the right little spots and you strum and so it's pretty easy to figure out as long as you know what you want to hear. You just make it happen, I guess. I don't know. That, that's how I always did it. Well, you know, with piano came was, first, right? Yeah. Sorry. I was no, going to say piano came first, right? Sorry? Did piano come first? Yeah, piano was first. Okay. That makes sense. Which is the easiest one. You just press. Like, there's no technique. <laughs> there's nothing. 
You just press down. down. Right now, classical pianists are dropping dead at what you're saying. You just press. No, like of course. They're like, I'm gonna press your face into this freaking toilet, brother. People get people get too wrapped up in like the techniques and the theory and this and that. Like this, it's not. It's not about your fingers. It's about what your ears are picking up and how your brain is perceiving it. Like that's all that matters. The rest of it is just it's it's just how to get there. And if you struggle with that then learning these techniques and taking lessons could be helpful. But I'd never struggled with what exactly I wanted to hear. And so then it was just putting the pieces together. And I was like, cool, when I press this one, it makes that sound. And when I combine it with this one, it makes that sound. Cool, noted, stored. Now I have that in my arsenal of things that I can do. And it just builds from there. Power chords. Can you tell me about the first time? Because what I, what I'm imagining is is very similar to what I felt when I when I first learned what a power chord was and the idea that I can make this shape anywhere, yeah. right? And sometimes if I make it here and here, it sounds like shit. But when I make it here and here, it kind of fucking works. And if I move this finger, oh wow, that me- makes me feel weird inside, right? And yeah. I'm assuming you have something that I, I, I never played piano. It was a guitar first, you know, like I, I barely knew anything else, uh, you know, at all. But I would assume that like that shape has followed you like at like a knife in your fucking back since you, since you started playing guitar, because like you want to be better than the power chord, but the power chord will always be better than you. You know, <laughs> that makes any sense. I'm not afraid of the power chord. That doesn't. Oh man, uh, I'm fine it's with just, it. Fine. You pick up a guitar in Guitar Center, and somebody's looking at you like, "What's he gonna do?" And you just like fucking straight up go. Never mind. You just go straight, yeah. <laughs> straight to, to, to Nirvana. You know, like, the thing oh, is, like the, pow- the power chord with some palm mutes in there. Like it's an unbeatable feeling. It really is yeah, like true. It's just great, and I, I I embrace that. Like I I don't care. Our songs are typically quite simple too. Musically, I mean, I guess we have little moments that are that can get complex, but we don't overthink any of it. Like if power chords are the way, then power chords are the way. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you like Violent Soho? I haven't looked into Violent Soho enough. Like I know that people really love. I feel them. like I feel like that's your shit, man. But maybe it is. Like, yeah. Check it out. Maybe some Sturgill Simpson after that. I don't know. But yeah, I just listening to <laughs> yeah, you and your, and your make love me, of make uh, me a playlist. Sometimes th- this happens a lot in my life where I become a very specific type of person and I go in a certain direction, musically or whatever. And then somebody comes to me and like, oh, so you're doing like what this person did. And like, who's this person? And then I, I listen to yeah. that person. I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I am. But I didn't try. Like, I didn't know who this was. Yeah. Well, it should be also just validation that like, hey, man, like I'm not alone here. And sometimes not being alone is like the fucking best feeling ever. right? Well, yes and no. I feel usually when something like that happens to me, it sparks some kind of competition where I'm like, well, if that person's doing it and they're doing it well, I have to do it better. Um, (laughs) Well, that's even better. (laughs) Yeah, that that, that happens happens a lot in in my life and career when it comes to music where I'm like, man, this sounds kind of like something that this person would have done. But how can I make it? in such a way that this person would have never thought to do it. That makes it so much better. You know, that, that kind of thing. Right. Right. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. What are you listening to right now? Um, I've been putting on for some reason this where I'm, where I'm, our videos are off, but you can't see, but I'm in a bar and it's just like something very old timey about it. So I just put on like a forties, fifties, sixties playlist. And so I'm listening just to, just to like oldie awesome sinatra-esque stuff it's great oh okay far out yeah yeah it's great and you know there's a there's something to be said about that too i know a lot of other artists and i found this as well it's best when you're in creative mode and i i'm I'm only taking a break from writing right now while i build the studio but i've been in writing mode for the most part and it's smart to not consume too much new music because that stuff starts to rub off on you unless that's what you want like, I guess if you're trying to write radio hits and listen to the radio and that, you know, these melodic changes and whatever, they'll start to rub off on you and they'll start to come out in your music. But it's really interesting to not listen to anything new and to either consume nothing and just allow the music to play in your head, whatever's there, or to listen to something really old or classical or whatever. Um, and let that be more of an influencer so you're not copying whatever's trending. That's good. Good yeah. point. Well. I'm not saying that I'm doing this consciously, but 
I'm kind of glad that when I put on these playlists, I'm like, this is also smart for me to do while I'm in creative mode. It's almost yeah, like I mean, a palate cleanser or something. When you're like, you know, when, when you're eating food and you eat a palate cleanser, like I'm getting all the getting all the modern out of my head so I can just like think clearly and be original. All the ginger on your tongue mm -hmm. right now. Exactly. Right. <laughs> well, I was going to say too. It, yeah, you're right. You, if you listen to too much, I can imagine it kind of steers you into a way of, and not you, Josh, particularly, but some bands would be like, "Oh, this is the sound that's happening. Is this what we have to sound like?" And then they're swayed instead of listening to something that's already written in stone and it's just enjoyable. And maybe you can pick up a few ideas and modernize them. Yeah. Well, that um, happens. I so, mean, that happens a lot with me, especially. Sure. I listen to like, and usually not rock. When I'm listening to like rock radio and stuff like that, I usually I feel quite different than a lot of those bands in a lot of ways. I guess in some ways I'm not, but I don't I don't have as much of an attachment. I listen more to like the newer, poppier rock leaning stuff. Like I'll listen to like what Youngblood's doing or or a group like yeah. that that we don't really sound like necessarily, but I'm like, man, that's really working. And I understand why it's working. And sometimes that will start to rub off on me and change how I write. And sometimes it's a good thing, sometimes it's cool. Um, but other times I get wrapped up in it. I'm like, oh man, I'll never have a super insane like 14 year old fan base. I'm like, well, do I really want one? Nah. I'll never have a really wide mouth. I love that dude too. But like, I know, I'm like shit. It's got like a Steven Tyler thing going on. Like, I can't even get my mouth that open. That's so fucking. <laughs> Oh, man. Well, you know, even like what Justin just said, like coming back and taking those influences and thinking about the live space, right? Like you guys had been when the when the EP came out, you know, uh, you had been basically grinding the fucking road opening up for all the big acts, you know, from Shine Down and Nothing More, the Rex, perfect example of something that's new and, and kind of leans in that pop area, the Struts, another one of them, you know, like, and then here you come on 2019, uh, with your own record. And now you've got to like, go out there. You watch them, you watch them, right? You can play all the fucking residencies and all the fucking high schools in the whole fucking world. I've done it. You've done it. But like, there's a different feeling when there's a fucking room full of more than a hundred of your friends in, in, in like what you might call a fan and they know your fucking words, you know, and they're doing yeah. that every night and there's thousands of them. Like, how do you take that on the road? Like, can you tell us about like, uh, your, your first tour, you know, as not tour, but like your first headlining. Um, yeah. Tour. I mean, we, yeah, we've always cool. done like little headline shows on the way to tours or like between tours. Um, our first real major headline tour was the last tour that we did, which was the okay. I'm sick tour was the tour to support the album. And it came after nothing more and after shine down and after a lot of big ones. And then, and then during all of that stuff, a lot of radio success with multiple singles. And so our first time actually headlining, we sold out almost every room. And it, and it was like, uh, it was really amazing. It's still amazing to think about. But the shitty thing is it, it becomes normalized really fast. And so yeah. I, I, I understand why so many artists become divas because I am one and I get why. Like, it's just, it becomes a normal part of your life. And then when a show isn't sold out, you're like, well, why did, why did they book this venue? Why did they book this city? Clearly this wasn't the right city. You know, like it, it gets nasty. And so I, as much as rewarding as it is when people are like, a lot of people show up to sing your lyrics, like I need to remember to go back to the farm when I'm all done and spread some manure over my field and like be a human. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't really, it's, it's a, that's a weird, it's a weird thing. Like, I, I don't want to just give you the generic answer. Like, it's amazing. It's so cool. And we grew, we, we blew up so quick and like, we did all those things, but it changed me in ways, in some ways when I sort of recognized it, that I, I don't like that version of myself. Um, yeah. So I don't know. I, I, sometimes I do actually fear again, we're a rock band, so we can never really get that big. There's a cap on it. <laughs> But I do fear a little bit, like, what am I going to be like if I'm at this level? Like, how is this going to change me as a person? And how depressed am I going to end up being once this amount of attention is normalized in my life? And this amount of love yeah. from people who barely know me. It's a weird thing. And nobody teaches you how to navigate that. That's the weirdest part about this is like, I don't even know if this is your question, but here I go on a tangent. Um, nobody teaches you how to uh, deal with that 
very foreign thing. It's very foreign and not a lot of people experience it, like being loved by people and being in a position where you're able to disappoint people, especially nowadays when everybody's getting canceled left and right. It's like, wow, there's so many people who love me and they're just more like, I disappoint my family constantly and they're like my family. How the fuck am I going to like keep all of you not disappointed in my actions or who I am? I don't know. It's fucking weird. It's weird. Dude, that's like the, the literal like version of a nightmare right like when you have to like show up dot com consistently yeah and you know go out uh, like i just you know honestly dude if i was if i was you because i thought about this a lot of times like okay you know because wilson got to a space but it never got above that uh, that space we wanted to and maybe that's by design i don't know but the idea of what i always thought i would do is like i'm just gonna shit my fucking pants like on stage (laughs) So like, that's it. That's as, that's as low as you can go, you know, like, and then if you love me at my lowest, right. Um, I guess everything else is looking millhouse from here, you know? Yeah. But shitting, shitting your pants on stage is different than like somebody calling you out for something you did when you were like 18. That wasn't the nicest thing. You know what I mean? Like they're just like, they're different. Shitting your pants is like somebody might feel bad for you and like, Oh man, he must be really sick or something. No, but like, being a jerk a teenager and then that coming back to bite you in the ass or even being a jerk now because i had a bad thing and i had a bad interaction with somebody or something happened or somebody fucking lied about whatever it is like right so ridiculous how much you know it's the craziest thing too god i always this tangent always happens when i do interviews i'm always because i'm it's always i'm writing a lot of songs about it about like this this pedestal that people put artists on that's not like we don't deserve at all um Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck! What was I just gonna say? Now I just lost my train of thought. I've had a glass. Right, of let me let me uh, let me chime in. Maybe you'll 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 get trained back. I find it very and what you're saying, Josh, is I can imagine going oh, in now. Sorry. Okay. Well, you, I'll let you finish your thought. Okay. <laughs> Wait. Did I just forget again? No, I did. I forgot again. Fuck. Fuck. Wait. Wait. wait so wait. not pooping your pants, being a jerk when you're younger. Yeah. Oh, no, my, I remember. My, I remember. No, I was talking about how look the types of songs that these these types of artists like artists like us and artists like you know especially rock bands and people who write things that are a bit uncomfortable and they don't just write bubblegum pop. Like we write some of the most uncomfortable shit because we're very flawed people. And then for some reason, when those flaws come out in our personal lives, people are like, "What? I, you're supposed to be a saint if you're an influencer of any kind and you did this i'm gonna stop i'm gonna burn all your records and this this and that it's like bitch have you heard the shit i've written i'm clearly fucked up yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How is it new to you that like i'm i'm kind of a villain at times in my life like i'm not perfect anyway yeah. i think it's bizarre like stop stop holding artists to such a high standard like we're we're more flawed than you are probably that's why we're creative yeah. I, I think one of the issues that uh, f- f- face bands, and uh, like you're saying, is like it's 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 really hard for artists to have an off night because if you go from town to town, there's going to be a kid in the next town that's never seen you live, and you always feel like you have to be on your A game. So the pressure mounts that every night has to be just fluid, otherwise you're going to disappoint that person's never seen you before. Yeah, I mean there is that, but that's that's like the normal struggle of an artist, and that's okay. Sure. That's part of the yeah. job. I think what I'm talking about more is like how your personal life meshes with your professional life, and how people take it so seriously, like it's everything. I don't know. It's sure, weird. sure. But no, that that part of it, I actually don't mind. Like that's one of those things that I like. It keeps me on my toes. I, if I'm playing for 15 people in some random city, and even though the, the night before I played for 3,000, like I'm gonna put on the same show, if not a better show, for those 15 people. And I like yeah. I, I like I like that um, the fear of disappointing that guy is fine. Like that's that's okay. perfectly acceptable to me. Yeah, and um, I won't disappoint him because I'll do a good job because I always do. I always put on a good show, and so does yeah. my band. Well, we can always do the Fugazi model. Yeah. Just charge five bucks a night, and you never have to worry about disappointing because it's only five bucks. <laughs> Even that, people people will still complain. Yeah, right. Why wasn't it 450? I drove all the way out there. I couldn't find parking <laughs> just for you to yeah. talk about Got my fucking babysitter. Like that. <laughs> that's what happens. Hey, listen, we want we're we're kind of getting close on on time, Josh, but we want to just finish out with this thing we do called walk the plank. Walk the plank. Walk the plank. 
which is three questions we ask, one from Chad, one from myself, and then one from a fan. And they're just random questions, and really, we just need a, just your, your thought on whatever your answer is. Let's go. All right. All right. I'm going to go first. Is that cool? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So, hey, Josh, my question to you is, how do you think our culture will change in the next 100 years? Oh, my goodness. Is this supposed to be like rapid fire? Because I can write a novel on this. Um, I think uh, I I think we're we're becoming we're basically becoming cyborgs, and I think it's I think we just have to embrace it, whether it's good or bad for humanity. I think we're going to be leaning on um, technology in the same way that we've always leaned on things like fire, which was a technology in its own right when it was new. You know, like it's, I think, and I think that's going to shift culture like crazy. I mean, obviously we're so connected. We're going to continue to be connected. And I think we're going to see a loss of a lot of things that were really beautiful about being human, but also the rise of a lot of new things we don't even know about humanity that, uh, that's going to come from this, this next wave of whatever. I don't know what those things are yet, but I think, I think they, as as much as as much negativity as as there is that comes along with it, um, there's going to be a lot of positivity too. Once we go to get over this hump of trying to figure it out, which I feel like we're in now. Fantastic. Yeah. All right, my great. question, my question to you, Josh, is: What do you complain about more than anything else? Ooh. Um, What do I complain about more? I'm asking my manager. Uh, not being able to do the shit you want to do. Yeah, having to do anything I don't want to do. Having to do anything I don't feel like doing in the moment. Oh! Singing in the morning. Oh, total complaint. Oh, fucking kill me before I have to do a radio. I think that's dead. I think showing up at radio stations, I think COVID killed it, and I'm not mad at all. I'll do Zoom calls with them. I don't need to sing. I don't need to sing at 6 a.m. for your 6 a.m. listeners. I'm sorry. I'm not going to. I'll say I have COVID. I'm sorry. I can't. No, I hate singing in the morning. It's the worst thing ever. People are like, you sound fine. I don't. I don't sound fine. <laughs> it's not about you, right? <laughs> yeah, man. That's a good one. Uh, do you want to do this? I, we got a fan question. Um, do you this will be our third one third and last one justin you want me to take it or do you got it you take it son all right well thanks dad uh what's been the most spiritual experience of your life oh my goodness wow that's such a big question way to go chad <laughs> well you know it's a fan I understand. I understand. I would say <laughs> I don't know if I have one one that's like definitive moment, but like one example of something really powerful would be like the, the first time an audience sang the words of Ghost Back. Not of any other song, of that song. And I and I got to see yeah. the reaction and, and tears in people's eyes who had connected so deeply with it. And I realized that I had done something by writing those lyrics, I had done something really helpful for people. Um, that that would, I mean, that might be it. And I've done mushrooms a handful of times, and those are a pretty big deal. But like, I think that, <laughs> I, think, I think that, I think that would probably be the most, the, the most like because it affected me long term, like still affects me. In in, in, in do, the do, best do, ways. Do you think that you'll ever do mushrooms while singing uh, this song? Ne uh, never, uh, no. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll do mushrooms again, but not not around people. Oh my god, that's great! Yeah. <laughs> hey, also, I, I understand that. That's a completely that's a scary thing. That's a shit your pants moment uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Hey, Josh, before we sign off with you, man, we we've got to ask what you what do you have right now? I know you can't read the tea leaves, but what do you guys have planned right now for 2021? I have nothing to promote. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> All right. We just know we're going to keep writing. We have, you know, there's there's going to be a single soon, I'm sure. Okay. Can't say anything right. that, um, festivals. But yeah, we have festivals coming up. Assuming they don't get canceled, we have lots of festivals. And, you know, just, just you'll find it all on social media when it's time. 
All right. All right. Well, fantastic. Well, uh, guys, thank you, Josh. Thank you so much, Josh, from Bad Flower tonight. Uh, this is Making Waves. This is the first episode of uh, 2021 for us. And this has been a fantastic uh, look in, in introspection from uh, one of our favorite artists from Shiprocked. Um, hopefully, Josh, we maybe around summertime, we can do kind of like circle back, see where things are at with you guys, if that's cool. Absolutely. This is a blast. Absolutely. So. Yeah, thank you. Listen, uh, guys, remember to check out uh, their album, I'm Sick, from 2019. And just stick around and, and t pay attention to the socials and see what they've got going on. He, he mentioned they probably be working on a single. And hopefully, if things go well, we'll probably look at some uh, some later in the year festival dates for them. Um, but again, guys, this is Making Waves. Uh, we are part of the Sound Talent Media uh, podcast family. And guys, you can find us in anywhere you get your podcast. And when you do, please subscribe to us, rate, review us, and then tell some of your friends about us. And one little bit of, of, of housekeeping here, um, guys, if you go to our, our shiprock.com, you can always go to our shop and find some of our new goods for 2021, 2022. Speaking of 2022, cabins are still available. So go to shiprock.com to make your reservations now. Uh, so on behalf of myself, Justin, Chad, we want to thank Josh, obviously. And we also want to thank um, the Ask For crew that helped put this in together all the time every week. Uh, we want to thank our producer, Al McManus, our engineer, Jennifer, our show coordinator, sorry, Heather, and then, of course, uh, the Captain Alan Koenig. And on behalf of Josh's uh, uh, new farm, I want to thank the cows that are coming in the future because yeah. I shall pet them. I'm coming to your yeah. your farm and I'm going to pet the crap out of those oh, cows. Oh, come cows, to the literally. farm. You're welcome. Come by. I mean, you're in LA, so it's that's a big place. Oh, you're in Detroit. Sorry. Not far. Um, yeah, you're not that far. You just come come drive over here. I'm coming. All See right. you tomorrow. Cool. All right. How now? Yeah, how now, brown cow? And we'll talk to you again real soon. Remember to rock hard and vacation harder. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming, Josh. Have a good night, man. You too. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I still complain and get pimples I miss when everything was simple The sex passed too fast I ask how long did your ex last? I'm fucking worthless, I'm unhappy This is 30 Welcome to us talking about our podcast for a minute. What's the name of that podcast? That's Axe to Grind. Uh, and right now you're going to be getting a little little taste of it, right down to the shaky microphone and all. <laughs> and my name's Bob. And my name's Patrick. And usually we're joined by Tom. Tom's the best. Tom has a real grown-up job that requires him to be at work. But we talk about decidedly not-so-grown-up things like... Hardcore music and things that people that like hardcore music tend to like. So that could be the latest shows, uh, revisiting classic material, talking about the new classics, um, all the little dorm room nonsense that you imagine from a niche music podcast that, that you either love, want to love, or hate. Yeah, imagine all the emotions that you have towards a genre that, that uh, has impacted your life. Uh, and then condense them down to an hour to two hours a week. So triangulate your speakers. Think about jumping off the bed, singing along, dancing like an idiot, and listen to Axe Grind Podcast. <laughs>